feels good in the presence of the Lord. Don't you appreciate this band, this praise team? Don't they know how to bring it? Don't they know how to take us into the presence of the Lord? They're not performers. They're not actors. This is not a show. They are worshipers. They lead us into worship. In the Old Testament, when they went into war, when they went to battle, they didn't send the foot soldiers first. They didn't put the tanks out front. See, oh, they didn't have tanks. I understand. They didn't send the jets with the bombs out front. They didn't have the best weapons out front. They sent the praisers, the choir, the singers first into battle. So why would they do that? Well, for several reasons. One reason, one of the best reasons is because praise and worship confuses the enemy. Your praise confuses the devil. When he has attacked you and he sits back and says, let's watch this, let's see how they handle this. And you begin to praise him, he's like, what are they doing? I just, I just did this. I just did that. I just attacked them. I just, I just threw cancer on them. I just, I just took all their money. I just caused them to go bankrupt. And, you, and when you're praising him, he's like, that don't make sense. Your praise will get you through. Your miracle comes on the wings of your praise. Somebody say, speak the truth. We pastored nine years in Gadsden, Alabama. And there was a lady used to sit over here on this side. You know, everybody has something they say when they come to worship. You know, Marilyn Brown is like, what you say? What you say? I had a guy one time, he would sit on the front row. I think he, I don't remember which side, maybe down here. And he would go, preach him, Jesus. Preach him, Jesus. And when he got real excited, he would go, preach him, Jesus. True story, true. But when we were in Gadsden, there was a lady sit over here, and whatever I would preach, she would go, speak the truth. Speak the truth. You ought to get you something that when there's preaching going on, it just gets in your spirit. Dr. A, when he used to preach, you know it was going to get good when he'd start grabbing the coattail of his coat and he'd say, my God, I feel him. My God, I feel him. See, you're too religious. You, you don't feel nothing, right? If you've been going to that church where you don't feel nothing, you've been the wrong place. Now, we'll tell you, it, it's not about what you feel. 
It's what you know from this word. But God created us in his image and he created us with emotion. And, and you go to ball games and you get emotional. You go to events for your kids and you get emotional. Sometimes you go to ball games and you act like a fool. I mean, they'll be in five degree weather and they'll take off their shirt and spray paint their chest. And yet they call Pentecostals crazy. Something's wrong with that picture. But, but we are emotional. God created us with emotion. So it's all right to lift your hand. It's all right to cry. It's all right to shout. It's all right to dance. It's all right to make a joyful noise unto him. And we, we express our praise and our adoration to him with our emotion through our worship. Oh, I heard someone say, I'm not emotional. Come here, put your hand right here. Bring me that hammer. And you tell me you're not emotional? I don't have time. Somebody say, speak truth. The problem is, and I already said it, but let me say it again. The problem is the devil creates circumstances and an environment that causes us to believe his lie. And we live, we live in this culture where we say things and don't even realize what we say. You get a headache and you say, my head is killing me. No, it's not. You have a headache. Drink some more water. Oh, you didn't hear me. You can take all kind of stuff, but if you drink more water and get a little sleep, your head will quit hurting. Declare a thing that it might be established. But we say things, and we don't even realize what we say. It has become a part of our culture. We need to speak truth. We need to know the truth because the truth will set you free, and we need to speak truth. So for just a moment today, I want to drop some scripture in your spirit that will hurt, help you, challenge you to speak the truth rather than making cultural cliches that are not even right anyway. In Proverbs 18, here's what it says. You will have to live with the consequences of most of the things that you say. Oh, did I miss that one? You have to live with the consequences of everything you say. What you say can preserve life or destroy it. So you must accept the consequences of your words. Different translation. New King James says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. You can speak death or you can speak life. What are you going to do? 
You'll have to live with the consequences of everything that you say, every word that you speak. What you say can preserve life or it can destroy life. So you must accept the consequences of your words. When we speak things contrary to his word, we sabotage our future. Say it again. When we speak things that are contrary to the word of God, you sabotage your own future. You sell yourself short. You cut your legs off to spite yourself. You cut your nose off to spite your face and bleed in your mouth. Let me say it another way. God wants to open doors for you. He gives you doors of opportunity. He opens doors. He connects you to the right people. And you close your own door. God trying to help you. God trying to open door. And you act a fool. You say the wrong thing. Do the wrong thing. Go to the wrong place. Hang with the wrong people. Get with the wrong crowd. You're closing your own door. And then you say, God, why aren't you helping me? He tried to help you. He opened a door for you that no man could close, and you closed your own door because you are an individual of choice. In Deuteronomy, God said, I set life and, life and death before you, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your family may live. So he, he opens the doors. He even tells us what to choose, and then we still close our own door. Somebody say, speak truth. In Psalm 34, it says, Then keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. So let me ask you the question. What lie are you telling yourself? What lies are you telling yourself? Because we've all done it. We've all told lies to ourselves and to others. Oh, it got quiet. Look at your neighbor and say, oh, you sure are acting holy. Look back at him and say, I know you. What lies are you telling yourself? What lies have become a part of your life? You know, some folks tell, tell the lies so long they begin to believe their own lie. They don't even realize that they've moved from telling the truth to telling the lie because they've told the lie for so long. Then keep your tongue from speaking evil. He wouldn't tell us to keep our tongue from speaking evil if we didn't have the ability to keep our tongue from speaking evil. Keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. This message is called Speak Truth. I probably should have called it don't lie. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, stop lying. Oh, come on, tell them like you mean it. Say, stop lying. Look at him and say, stop your lying. Stop that. Look at him and say, you know better than that. You know you lied. Come on, tell them. You know you lied. Stop it. Some of y'all ain't saying nothing. Y'all the ones somebody needs to tell you that. Turn to him and say, stop lying. Stop lying. Stop lying. That's what I'm going to talk to you about. Stop lying. Here's a lie that people tell. I can't. 
I just can't. It's hard to serve God. I just can't. I can't do that. I can't. I don't know about you, but we're I can people around here. You may be an I can't person. You may live in an I can't family. Maybe you were raised in an I can't family. We can't do that. We can't afford that. We can't do this. We can't go there. We can't, we can't, we can't, we can't. My Bible says I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. I can do all things. I can overcome. I can walk in faith. I can walk in healing. I can walk in blessings. I can have a ministry. I can have a business. I can have a family. I can be blessed. I can stop drinking. I can stop. I can stop having an affair. I can stop using drugs. I can. I can. I can. I can. I can. If you're an I can't person, if you just can't get away from saying I can't, at least add one little word after that. I can't yet. I can't yet. Practice that with me. For all you can't people, say it with me. I can't yet. Yet. Say it again. I can't yet which means there's hope, which means the door is open, which means there is a promise, which means you've caught a glimpse of faith, which means you're going to change, which means you're not going to stay and park at the camp, at the cannot place. See, doubt and faith are similar. They ask you to believe in something that you can't see, and you must decide which one you're going to believe. Doubt builds mountains I can't builds mountains all around you on the other hand faith moves mountains oh you miss that your doubt your I can't it builds mountains it grows mountains they get bigger they're bigger than they really are you turn mountains you turn molehills into mountains with your I can't but faith moves the mountains. Do this with me. Take your hand. Hold your hand up right here in front of you just like this. And then just move the mountain out of the way so you can see. Just, just move the mountain out of the way. The Bible teaches us symbolic action. When we do something in faith, in the spirit that will manifest itself in the natural. That's what symbolic action is. You just, you just move the mountain. It may be a big mountain. It may be cancer. It may be a lawsuit. It may be a, a struggle, a problem with your kids. Just move the mountain out of the way. Just say, move, move, move. I, I command you to move. I'm talking to my mountain. I'm, I'm telling the mountain, get out of my way. Back, back up, back up. Move, 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 move. And the Bible says, if you say to this mountain, be moved and be cast into the sea, and you believe in your heart, and you do not doubt what you say will happen and the mountain has to move. So your doubts grows the mountain, gets bigger, but your faith moves mountains. Are there any mountain movers in here? Somebody say, I can, I can, 
I can, I can, not only I can, but I will, I am, I will, I am. I'm moving the mountains. I'm telling the mountains, get out of my way. I'm speaking to the mountain. I'm speaking to the devil. I'm telling him, back up, back up, back up, back up. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Another lie that people tell themselves because the devil has created circumstances and we believe him. They, they tell themselves, well, I'm just not good enough. Somewhere along your life, somebody said to you, you'll never amount to anything. Why do you think you can do that? Who do you think you are? And the devil creates these circumstances and these environments and we buy into that. So we say, we use it as an excuse when we've had some failures. Let me ask you, let me take an opinion poll. How many of you have had any failures? Come on, be honest. If you don't have your hand raised, you're lying. Speak truth. We have all failed. We've all had problems. We've all messed up. And so we buy into the lie of the devil and say, I'm just not good enough. I'm not good enough. That's a lie. Psalm 139 says, thank you for making me. This is what God says about you, and you need to understand it. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. Another translation says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're made in the image of God. He breathed into you the breath of life, and you became a living soul. Somebody needs to say, I am somebody. I need to tell you today, you are greater than you think you are. You are somebody. There's royal blood flowing in your veins. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is upon you, and you are somebody, and you have a devil-conquering destiny, and you are an overcomer through the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. You need to say, I am good enough I am enough the devil will lie to you and say you're not good enough and you believe that and you say it no 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 I am enough sharpen your attitude change your skill set change the way you think get rid of your stinking thinking another lie pain is bad we don't like pain when Navy SEALs go into training or when soldiers join the Navy and go into training to become a Navy SEAL, they go through some endurance training. They go through physical hell. As a matter of fact, they have affectionately called that tough week hell week. And they go through pain. They go through struggles. Most of it's more mental than physical. Physically, yes, they're worn out. They haven't slept. They're on the beach. They're soaking wet. It's cold. They're lifting up telephone poles and carrying them with each other. And all they have to do to get away from the pain is to go up and ring the bell. And it's over for them. But they wash out. They don't get to be a Navy SEAL. They give up their dream. They quit. Everybody calls them quitters. You're all quiet now. Because they bought into the lie that pain was bad and they could not endure the pain. Let me give you a promise from God. 
There is no temptation taking you but such as is common to man, but God is faithful who will not suffer you or allow you to be tempted above that which you are able without making a way of escape that you might be able to bear it. He knows your load limit. He knows how much you can endure. He knows your pain level. He knows your struggle level. And he's promised not to put more on you than you can bear. So if you are going through it, if there is a storm, if there is a burden, if there is a battle, if there is a problem, if you are under the load and you feel like you can't quit, you, you can't make it and you're going to have to quit, hold up your head, lift up your head. Your redemption is drawing near because he's promised not to put more on you than you can bear. So if you've got the storm, if you've got the challenge, shout, honey, because God has anointed you for such a time as this. Pain is not bad. It will get you through. It will bring you out. It will cause you to come forth as pure gold. Job said, I went forward and it wasn't there. I went backwards. I went to the left where it had been and it seemed as if God were hiding from me. But he knows the way that I take and when he has tried me, I will come forth as pure gold. So I need to tell somebody, yes, we don't like pain. Pain is a, is a problem. We don't, we don't like it. We don't want to go through it. But don't park in your pain. You know what they say? No pain, no gain. No pain, no gain. Here's a scripture for you. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17. For our light... This is what God calls your pain. You're going to love this. For our light affliction, which, by the way, is only for a moment. It is working for us. Look at your neighbor now and say, your pain ain't nothing. Oh, come on. Tell them like you mean. Say, hey, your, your pain ain't nothing. But you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what they did to me. It ain't nothing. Suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> Grow it up. Put on your big girl panties. Put on your big boy panties. Because your little bitty, teeny weeny, itsy bitsy, light affliction, affliction, which is only for a moment, it's working for you. It's helping you. It's for your own good. They used to tell me, quit pouting. I'd stick my back, I'd stick my lip out like a back porch. <laughs> quit pouting. Look at your neighbor and say, quit pouting. So we buy into the, to the lie that pain is bad. Oh, we don't like pain. If you don't like it, just go ring the bell. Just quit. Just, just quit. Just be a quitter. Is that who you are? Look at your neighbor and say, is that who you are? 
Come on, help me preach somebody. Look at your neighbor and say, are you a quitter? Is that who you are? Look back at him and say, I always knew you were a quitter. <laughs> say, Pastor, quit being so mean. Pastor, you mean. That's not nice. I go to church so I can leave feeling good. You're stepping on my toes. Dream Team will have toe salve at the back door on the way out to massage your toes. And they'll be better by next Sunday. And come back and I'll do it again. Somebody say, speak truth. Look at your neighbors that don't lie. Don't tell yourself pain is bad. Because your light affliction... <laughs> It's only for a moment. It's temporary. It's working for you. In other words, what you're going through is going to help you be a better you. <laughs> Devil should have killed me when he had a chance. Because I'm back. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm back. Or look back at him and say, stop lying. Look back and say, no, 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 I'm back. Here's another lie. Well, I've got plenty of time. I'll do it later. I've got plenty of time to get right with God. I've got plenty of time to start my ministry. I know I'm called to ministry, but I've got plenty of time. I'm going to sow my wild oats. I've I got plenty of time. I'll do it later. Look at your neighbor and say, later. Look back and say, stop your line. Tell them, I told you, stop lying. You don't have plenty of time. James 4.14 says, how do you know what your life will be like Tomorrow. Your life is like the morning fog. It's here for a little while, for a moment, and then it's gone. It's a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Winners, men of God, women of God, children of God, go ahead and do today. What procrastinators put off till later. So quit telling yourself you've got plenty of time. We have today. That's what we have. We have now. This is the moment that we have. This, this is what we have right now. This is it. We have no promise of tomorrow. The Bible says the Lord is coming in an hour that we don't even know about, that we think not. You don't know when he's coming. We think, well, he could come right now, and he could, but you don't know. He said, occupy until I come. In other words, get involved in ministry. Engage. Quit sitting on the sidelines. Quit putting off till tomorrow. If you've got a calling, if you've got a gift, you are anointed of the Lord, use it now. There are people dying and going to hell that you could reach. There's some folks that are sick you could pray for and God would heal them. There's some folks that you could bless 
and help them get to another level and see the hand of God move in their life. Help them. Oh, I've got time. I'll, I'll do it later. Lie. Here's another one. A lot of people believe this one. They tell themselves, nobody cares about me. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares about me. I don't have any friends. Boy, it's got quiet now. Some of you preachers want to preach now. I have killed it. Nobody cares about me. This is a lie of the devil. You're going to have some, some tough times. There are going to be times when folks are angry at you and they'll say something to you that you don't like. Maybe they shouldn't say. But for you to be naive enough to believe and buy into the lie of the devil that nobody cares about you, how dare you believe that lie? How dare you let the devil deceive you when you know there are folks that love you? There would be folks broken hearted if anything happened to you because they love you with your flaws, with your warts, with your stinky attitude, with your mean self. They love you. They just get tired of you acting the fool. Is this too hard today? Tony, is this too hard? You want to preach a while? I'm going to take a break. Just let him preach a while. The Bible says, because you know I like to say what the Bible says. The Bible says, if you want friends, you're supposed to show yourself friendly. So if I come up to you and you look like you've been drinking pickle juice, you don't look friendly, so I'm just going to go the other way. The problem is in the body of Christ, we have too many people that say they love Jesus, but they don't act like Jesus. They don't, they're not a friend like Jesus. They're not a servant like Jesus. Well, you're supposed to serve me. No, I'm not. My job is to serve him. And if I'm serving you, then I'm serving him. So if you take on that responsibility, you take on that mindset, instead of taking on the mindset of nobody loves me, nobody cares for me, when's the last time you cared for somebody else? The Bible says to cast your cares on him because he cares for you. The Bible says that we should bear one another's burdens. Whose burden are you bearing today? Whose burden are you bearing last week? Because there's people in your circle that you've been saying that they don't want to be your friend. They're waiting on you to be theirs. Somebody say, that's good. Speak the truth. That's good. Speak the truth. Stop your lying. Nobody cares about me. The Bible says, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. 
And if he cares about you, he's going to send somebody to love you. He's going to send somebody at the right time. He's going to send somebody with a care package. He's going to send somebody to pray for your healing. He's going to send somebody to help gird you up. He's going to send somebody at your lowest moment because he loves you and he cares for you, and we do too. Look at the person next to you and say, I love you. Oh, come on, tell them like you mean it. Say, I love you. Tell them, I would do anything for you. Now tell them, stop your lying self. <laughs> Not about loving them, just about acting a fool. We buy into lies. Here's another one. It's easier for everybody else. It's hard for me. You don't know where I came from. You just don't know how hard it is. You've said that. Come on. You need to stop your lying. You've looked at other folks and said, well, they have it so easy. I mean, look at the family they had. Look at, look at the money they've got. Look at the job they've look, look where they live. Look at the car they drive. Look at the clothes they wear. Look at their, their kids are perfect. If they had my kids, they, they wouldn't be perfect. It's easier for them. It's easier for everybody else. Let me tell you, anybody that makes something out of their life, they had a price to pay to get there and to stay there. And it's easy to get there. It's hard to stay there. It's harder to stay there than it is to get there. That's why you see people make a million dollars and then they lose it. They got there. They figured it out. But here's the good news. Once you figure out how to get there, just because you lost it, don't give up. You know how to get there. Do it again. And then while you're on the way, learn how to keep it. Learn how to stay there. Well, it's easy for them. Their daddy gave it to them. Well, thank God for generational blessings. The Bible says we should leave an inheritance for our children's children. That means our grandchildren. Oh, let me say something. Stop living week to week and day to day so you can leave something for your kids. And here's what you say back. Man, it's easier for other people. It's easier for them. If they, if they lived in my house, if they had my job, then yeah, 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 yeah. Here's what the Bible says in Isaiah 44. It's what God says to you about, about that lie. I have swept away your sins like a cloud. I have scattered your offenses like the morning mist. Oh, Return to me, for I have paid the price to set you free. If he sets you free, then you are free. You are free to fulfill your purpose, to fulfill your destiny. To overcome every obstacle, every challenge, every doubt, every fear, every struggle, whatever it is. 
Quit saying, quit lying. It's easier for everybody else. No, it's not. Don't you ever say that about me. You don't know the price I paid. You don't know the tears I've, I've, I've shed. You don't know the blood I've shed. You don't know the hours I've prayed. You don't know the jobs that I've worked. You don't know the hours that I worked and put up to get through to get where I am. It was not easy. And it's been even more difficult to stay because the devil wants to steal everything you got. He is a thief, the Bible says in John 10, and he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he wants to take everything that's precious from you. He wants to take your children. He wants to take your health. He wants to take your finances. He wants to take your joy, your peace, your future. He wants to take all of that from you, and he will if you let him. So suck it up, buttercup. Put a smile on your face. Start quoting the word of God. I am anointed. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I'm an overcomer through the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Quit copping out. Quit quoting lies from the devil. Quit telling yourself you cannot when you can. It's not easier for others. You show me somebody successful and I'll tell you, they have paid a dear price to get where they are. Every level, there's another devil. Oh, you missed that. Every level, there is another devil. Here's another lie. Well, maybe it's not easier for others, but it's too late for me. It's too late, too much water under the bridge. It's, I'm too old, I'm too tired, I'm too weak and sad. You need to get saved is what needs to happen to you. You just need to get saved because when you get saved, the Holy Spirit's a dynamo within you and he will he will change everything. Your excuses go away. Joshua chapter 14. Here's what the old man said. The Lord. Now here's the way some folks would say it. Some, some people would read like this. The Lord has kept me alive. That's not the way Joshua read it. I, I kind of have an idea he was going. The Lord has kept me alive. And now, here I am this day. I am 85 years young. And as yet, I am as strong this day as I was on that day that Moses sent me just as my strength was then. So now is my strength for war. Now, both for going out 
and for coming in. Therefore, give me this mountain. Where is that mountain? Give me the mountain. Show me the giant. Let me kill the giant. Let me move the Give me this mountain now. I'm as young now as I was then. I'm as strong now as I was then. It's not too late for me. As long as you have strength in your body, as long as you have breath in your lungs, you can, you can, you can, you can. Give me this mountain. Look at somebody say, it's not too late for me. It's not too late for you. Let's go higher. Don't give up. Don't cave in. Don't quit. Don't even go back. There's nothing to go back to. The devil tries to tell you, well, you had it pretty good when you were living in sin. You, you know, you used to live in a nice house. You, you used to have plenty of money. He's a liar. God will bless you better than you ever had it when you were living for the devil. You just need to quit believing the lies. Quit telling yourself the lies and speak truth. Look at somebody and say, speak truth. Speak truth. Say, stop your lying now. Here's another one. Another lie you tell yourself. Now, this is a good one. I tell you, people tell themselves this lie. There are people in churches all over the world that tell themselves this. I'm living right. I'm okay with God. God understands. He understands my need. It's okay if I drink a little bit. He don't care if I smoke a little marijuana. It's just to make me feel better. It's to, for my health's sake. He don't care if I, if I snort a little cocaine, use a little crack. He don't care if I do that. No, it's, God, God understands. I mean, the Bible talks about Jesus turning the water to wine. So it's, it's, I'm sure that everybody drank wine. It's all right to drink a little wine. Mm -hmm. The Bible says wine is a mocker. You didn't read that verse, verse, did you? It also says strong drink is raging. You didn't read that, do you? Because when you drink, it turns you into another person. He also said be not drunk with wine. Oh, you didn't read that verse, did you? I said, well, I don't get drunk. Well, how drunk are you when you drink a thimbleful? You're a thimbleful drunk. <laughs> I mean, how intoxicated are you? That's why when they, when they do that breath analyzer test and you blow into that, they want to know how drunk you really are. Are you a little bit drunk or are you a lot drunk? He said, be not drunk. Oh, I just killed that excuse you had, didn't I? Here's what the Bible says, 1 John chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. If we say we have fellowship with him, I'm all right. I'm living all right. I'm, I'm, I'm good with God. He understands. If we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie. Now, this is a good time to turn to your neighbor and say, stop your lying. We lie. And we do not practice the truth. Speak truth, folk. I, I'm living all right. God understands. It reminds me of the story of the two brothers. They were the meanest men in town. They lied. They cheated. They cheated on business deals. They stole money from people. Everybody knew they were crooks. 
Billy and Bobby Smith, crooks. Nobody liked them. Well, Billy died, and Bobby had to arrange his funeral. So he went around to all the preachers in town, went to the Methodist, the Baptist, the Catholic, Presbyterian, went to all of them, said, if you'll preach my brother's funeral, I'll give you $10,000. They all said yes. He said, but there's one catch. Somewhere in there you've got to say that Bobby was a saint. So they all said, no, can't do it, can't do it. He got to the Pentecostal preacher. He said, will you do it? He said, I'll do it. So he got up and said, everybody knows that old Bobby was the meanest guy in town. Everybody knows that he was a liar. He was a cheat. He stole from people. He was a crook. Nobody liked him. Everybody hated him. But compared to his brother, he was a saint. (laughs) And some of us tell ourselves that lie. I'm living all right. I'm okay with God. Have you you seen that guy compared to him? I'm okay. Okay. I mean, if that guy can drink, why can't I? He goes to church. He's the deacon on that board over there. I mean, if if they do it, everybody knows that that old guy, he's having an affair. Everybody knows that pastor had an affair with so-and-so's wife. It's okay. God understands. Thank you. I'm glad there's some folk that know their Bible. If we say we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another in the blood of Jesus Christ. His son cleanses us from all sin. Let me make it plain. Sin will take you to hell because sin separates you from God. And see, here's the problem. A lot of people, they want to they see how close they can walk to the edge without falling off. You know, they, they, they're not, they don't want to get over here on solid ground where they know they're okay. They just want to walk by the edge and say, well, I, I think I can do this and get by. Maybe, maybe I won't fall off into hell. God will not excuse your sinful choices. Scripture, please. Hebrews chapter 10. I think it's verse 26 somewhere. Hebrews 10. It's in Hebrews 10. If we willfully sin, there remains no sacrifice. No more sacrifice for sin. Let me just quote it. I got it written down. If we willfully sin, we lie. There remains no more sacrifice for sin. But here's what comes. A fearful expectation of judgment. This would be a good time for you to look at your neighbor and say, Stop your lying. Stop lying to yourself. Stop lying to your family. Stop lying to God. Speak the truth. In Joshua chapter 7, we read the story of Achan. Israel, then as they are now, were feared by the other armies of the world. 
they were feared. There was no army like the Israeli army because when they went into battle, even if they were few in number, they defeated the enemy. It started with David killing Goliath, the giant, because the Lord fought for them. A few years ago, I was in Israel. Pastor Reed and I used to take a tour, a tour every year. I'm sorry we had to postpone our trip next month to Israel. We'll reschedule it when things are calmer. But I was there a number of years ago, and Gideon Shore had been our guide for a number of years. He had one time been a lieutenant colonel commander in the Israeli army. And at that time, he was not serving the Lord. But he said, when we fought in the Six-Day War, was that the one in 1967? 67 in the Six-Day War. He said, we were outnumbered. He said, there were more tanks. There were more jets. There were more foot soldiers. There was more, more troops. They, all, they had us outnumbered. Syria had us outnumbered. We were outnumbered something like six, seven, eight to one in different categories. And he said, I went on the field. And he said, I saw with my own eyes their eight or nine tanks coming against our one or our two. He said, I saw the fighters come, and they would have us five to one, six to one. And he said, I saw with my own eyes the enemy's tanks stopped on the field. The hatch flew open, and the soldiers got out of the tanks, leaving the tanks running, and they ran away on foot for their life. He said, I don't know what they saw. He said, but we won. I'll tell you what they saw. They saw a host of the Lord's army. They saw the Lord. The Lord fought their battle. I need to tell you, the Bible says the battle is not yours, but the Lord's. You're worried about fighting the battle. You're worried about winning. You're worried about over. No, 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 no. The battle is the Lord's. The victory belongs to you. And so in Joshua chapter 7, the Israeli army had a reputation just as they do now. And they sent scouts out to Ai. And they were going to go battle in Ai. And the scouts came back and said, there's just a few of them. We don't need to send everybody. Just send a few. And I think they sent around 3,000 soldiers. They didn't need to send everybody. He said, we've got this. So they sent the soldiers. And the soldiers were defeated. And they left in humility, running for their lives, running back down the hill. And 36 Israeli soldiers were killed on that day. And when they got back, Joshua said, What's going on? How could this happen? And the Lord spoke to him and said, There, don't miss this, there is sin in the camp. Oh, you missed that. There is sin in the camp. Oh, there was sin in the camp, and God punished the entire Israeli army, and 36 innocent soldiers got killed because one man sinned? Uh-huh. Do not think that you are sinning by yourself and it don't affect the rest of us. If you're in leadership in this church, don't you ever come on this platform and sing. Don't you play one of these instruments if you are living in sin, if you're committing adultery, if you're doing drugs or alcohol or you're lying or cheating or doing somebody wrong. You will affect every one of us. Joshua said, what do I do? The Lord said, Bring them all by. Bring them by by tribes. Brought by the tribe of Judah. He said, bring them by clans. Bring them by families. And when the families came, there was Ai. The Lord said, he's the one. Confronted him and said, 
what did you do, Achan? Not Ai. He had been to Ai, but he said, what did you do, Achan? He said, well, I couldn't help myself. Now, what we say? I couldn't help it. The devil made me do it. Couldn't help myself. When we were in there, I, I saw that bar of gold. I saw that silver. I saw that beautiful Babylonian garment. And I, I, I couldn't help it. I, I took it for myself. Because they weren't supposed to do that. Sometimes they could take it for themselves. Sometimes they took the plunder and it was for the, in, for the entire army and they spread it out they had different ways different commands but on this day they were not to take it and he took it for himself and the Lord said they have lied and stolen and it has affected the entire nation and so he confessed he said yes you'll find it in my tent You'll find the silver and the gold. It's buried. It's in my tent. And they went and looked and came back. And sure enough, he had stolen the silver. He had stolen the gold. He had stolen the robe, stolen the garment. Now, here's what you would think. Well, it's just a little thing. Not to God. Sin is sin. So you think you can tell a little white line, it's all right, as long as you're not, you know, just a big liar. Oh, really? So there's big lies and little lies now. Yeah, we call them little white lies. Mm-hmm. Well, let me just tell you what the punishment was. Achan and all of his family were put to death because of the sin. So, yeah, they stopped the curse that affected the whole nation because one man sinned, yet his entire family paid the price of death. Can I tell you, God will not excuse your sinful choices. Stop lying. I love Isaiah 61, and it's reiterated in Luke 4, 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because he has anointed me. Look at your neighbor and say, I am anointed. He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and the recovery of sight to the blind. And he's also called me to set the captives free, the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You are a warrior. You are anointed for such a time as this. You are greater than you think you are. I know there's pain. I know there are storms. I know there are troubles. I know there are fears. I know there are circumstances that the enemy paints. And he tries to paint us in a circle. But we have to stop lying. We have to proclaim what the Bible says, Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I don't know what your gift is. I don't know what your career is. I don't know what your business is or your ministry. But whatever it is, most likely you are operating in your ministry. You are where you are supposed to be. 
and he will anoint you where you are. You may be a school teacher. Pray for your students. You may be a principal. Cover the school with prayer. You may be in the healthcare profession. Pray for every patient that comes through your doors. Declare healing for them. You may sell mattresses. We put prayer cloths between the box springs and the mattress in the store. And when people come in, whoever they are, whatever their place of their walk in life, they lay on those beds that have an anointed prayer cloth that you have prayed over on anniversary, on, on prayer Sunday, the first Sunday of the year. We pray over those cloths. We put them there, believing that God is going to touch them. What is your business? I don't know what your business You may sell cars. Pray over every car. When somebody sits in that car, they need to feel the anointing of the Lord. They need to feel the presence of God. You may run a restaurant, pray over the food, because some people don't pray over their food. Pray the missionary, pray over your food before you serve it. Lord, don't let anything make them sick. That's what we pray on the mission field. Pray strength will come to them, strength to their body. Pray for their salvation. Pray for their deliverance. You know, whatever your business, that's your ministry. You don't have to take business time away from your employer. That's not what I'm saying. You can pray under your breath. You can pray at home. But be the arms of the Lord. Speak the truth. Stop lying. Lord, we worship you. We worship you. 